This episode of the Universe From Here podcast is brought to you by Fringe Brewing. Fringe Brewing is a small brewery in Ferndale, Washington. Um, it's family-friendly, dog-friendly, kid-friendly. It's just generally all-around friendly. Uh, they had a new beer just came out called The One Leg. It's a nice West Coast IPA. Super tasty. If you want to learn more about Fringe, I did a podcast episode with them previously. So... Go check them out. 5640 3rd Avenue, Ferndale, Washington, 98248. And also check out fringebrewing.com. The universe from here is brought to you by 3moonsmakerspace.com. 3moonsmakerspace.com is offering an exclusive 10% discount for all listeners of the UFH podcast. Simply shop their store at 3moonsmakerspace.com for pre-designed quality-made wood products that can be personalized or collaborate directly with Dave, the maker, to create something truly unique. The entire process is conducted through email and is very easy, fast, and fun. We hope you'll take advantage of the special exclusive UFH offer by entering the code UFH10 at checkout. This is a great opportunity to provide something very special and unique for your loved one, friend, coworker, or yourself. Take the time to check out our shop and never worry about finding that special or unique gift again. 3moonsmakerspace.com. What can I make for you? I've seen a lot of cool stuff he's made for people. I've seen some tap handles, gift boxes, fidget toys. If you got a project, you might just be able to help out. So definitely worth checking that out. On today's show, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with Mr. Greg Hansen, mayor of Ferndale, Washington. So let's get into the show. Welcome to the universe from here. I'm sitting with Greg Hansen, mayor of Ferndale. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing excellent. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. That's my first time talking with a politician. Uh -oh. It's kind of weird. There's a bunch of people with pitchforks and shovels outside. There must be a gardening sale going on. I mean, <laughs> spring's coming up. Everybody's yeah. getting excited. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm not really familiar with uh, local politics. So what was the thought process you had uh, behind deciding you want to be a, a mayor of a small town? You know, the thought process was was uh, an interesting one. Uh, you know, I, I was on the city council for four years before I, I ran for mayor, so I did have a sense of you know, what was going on in the city and, and what that role was going to look like. Um, it, it wasn't something where I thought, hey, I want to be mayor. Um, in fact, it was almost the opposite of that. I... I um, I'd been approached by a couple of individuals um, um, early on, uh, like a year before I even had to declare that I was going to run for mayor, and they'd suggested that I should think about it. And I, I kind of, you know, put them off and said, "Yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah, but no, I'm not interested." Um, but as we got closer and closer to the time where you have to file as a candidate, um, I had more and more people coming. Uh, from all sorts of different walks of life in Ferndale and, and saying the same thing. You should think about running for mayor. You should think about running for mayor. And, you know, as the voices got more and louder, um, I really did start to seriously consider it. It was certainly not something that, that I uh, had really ever considered when I ran for council. But there was some frustration in the community with the current mayor. Um, uh, there was some frustration amongst uh, my fellow council members with the current mayor. And, um, it, you know, it really started with um, the idea that they didn't want the current mayor to run unopposed. 
and that, that you know they thought I was the one individual who could give him a really good run um, uh, and, and really oppose his candidacy. And I never really thought that I had a chance at winning. And and you know, so I really sought. Uh, you know, I set out to really. Um, just run a really good campaign and learn what that's like to run a small city campaign. And if I win, uh, great. But if I lose, I still got that experience. Uh, turns out I, I did okay and, and ended up winning the race. Um, and, and so uh, there was a little bit of shock, a little bit of, okay, so now what? <laughs> because I, I really, had, really hadn't planned a lot beyond the campaign. Um, so... All that being said, it's not as though I'm not prepared to be mayor, but it was it was certainly um, um, it was certainly not something uh, that I uh, that I have always aspired to. Yeah. So, uh, what was the journey like as you created that path for yourself? The journey, the journey through the campaign. Yes. Um. Wow. You know, it was. Uh, uh, you know, it's one of those things where. Um, you know, it, it, I started off with this idea of, well, what, what do I have to lose? And so, um, um, you know, every step along the way, I was having to do things that I was uh, unfamiliar with, that I was uh, somewhat uncomfortable with. Um, and so it was an entire uh, nine months of kind of pushing beyond my uh, my comfort zone in almost every single way. Um, and, and so almost every step was something that I was scared to do. Uh, you know, sitting in, in, a, in a, a political forum and having a political debate, um, um, knocking on doors of strangers and, and doorbelling. Um, those sorts of things are not things that I do in my normal daily life. And so um, it, it, took, it took some uh, um, a, some personal fortitude to Kind of push past my uh, uh, my fear of doing some of those things, um, but along the way, you know, the journey was was interesting because there was a lot of self reflection, there was a lot of kind of self growth, um, but I also learned a ton about the community and the people who live here in Ferndale, and you know, so as I'm knocking on the doors of strangers and having conversations with people, um, you know, I'm learning a lot about um, you know where they came from, what their concerns about this community are, what they would like to see. Um, and so what I found was that the journey to get to the, to the mayor's office is a great preparation for learning about um, what your community wants you to do as mayor. And so while the process seems a little bit odd at times, um, I think the process really prepares you uh, to take the role. And so um, uh, it, it was, it was uh, um, absolutely worth it. It would have been worth it if I hadn't won. Um, even more worth it that I did win. How did it feel to actually succeed in that endeavor? Um, well, it was, it was great. It, it, it felt um, empowering. It felt uh, it was a relief in some ways. Um, it was uh, it was great to have that chapter, the chapter of, of running a campaign, close and open a new chapter. Um, a little scary, <laughs> um, but but uh, at the same time, you know, it, it felt good because I was using a lot of the skills and things that I teach 
uh, in the college classes that I teach uh, that I hadn't exercised myself in a long, long time. And so um, it felt good to, to know that, um, you know, I still am good at some of these things and that uh, a lot of the stuff that I teach um, um, does work in the real world as well. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of satisfaction that came out of that and, and a lot of fear. Yeah. yeah, that was actually something I wanted to ask sure. you. Um, so where are you teaching at now? I, I teach at Whatcom Community College. Okay. Um, I teach hospitality and tourism business management. So there, oh, it's excellent. a business administration program uh, that focuses on um, hotels, restaurants, meeting and event planning, um, and, and um, uh, tourism operations. And you were doing that before you were mayor? Yeah, I've been doing, I've been teaching at Wacom uh, for 14 years. So, okay. uh, and then before that, I spent 20 years in the hospitality industry, running restaurants, working in golf clubs, working in hotels, um, and, and about half of that time in management. So, um, that's kind of what gives me the background to be teaching classes in hospitality. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I bet that uh, having that wealth of knowledge would definitely help. In this process. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. It's a little bit of everything, right? It's you know the 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 understanding of sales, the understanding of marketing, uh, the understanding of how to communicate with people. Um, all of those things really play into the campaign. Um, but then having the background in, in running a business, it, you know, um, uh, really helps in um, you know the skills necessary to, to be good at being mayor. You know, because ultimately you're the chief executive officer of the city, and and so um, you know you are really the head of that organization and guiding that organization in uh, the direction that you think is best for the community. And so um, you know it's a it's not an unfamiliar uh, uh, role to be in for me. Um, it's just the, the the scope is bigger, but um, um, I'm I'm. Just, I'm familiar with what it takes to move organizations right. in, in, in different directions and what it takes to, to manage high-performing individuals and um, and you know, really kind of give them the space to work, uh, but also kind of guide them in the direction that I want to see the organization. So those are all things that I'm, I'm familiar with. Uh, how long have you been mayor? How long have I been mayor? Yeah. Um, what's the date today? <laughs> uh, about seven weeks. Yeah, those oh, wow. getting, okay. yeah, so it's been <laughs> it's this very is fairly new. Yeah, um, and you know, so I'm barely, I am barely getting my feet underneath me right now. Um, you know, really, I've taken this first uh, couple of months to really just uh, kind of sit back and observe, uh, uh, pay attention to the things that are happening around City Hall, gather the information that I need, and, and you know, meeting with individuals uh, to talk about some of the bigger um, uh, issues that we need to, to be focusing on um, for the next four years while I'm mayor. So I'm uh, trying to pull together my, my agenda um, and what I want to accomplish. So uh, being so recently elected, um, were there any difficulties or learning experiences that you'd want to share that might help somebody in a, a similar position or trying to achieve their goals? Just in, in general trying to achieve their goals? Or, I suppose so. Well, so... <sighs> I guess I would put it in terms of how I would talk to my kids or my students about it. And I think, you know, one of the biggest things is, uh, you know, in general, write your goals down. 
when you write them down, it's that's a that's kind of an act of of defining your goals, and it and it gives you something tangible that you can look at. And and um, you know, I have I have a handful of notebooks that are in the bottom of my desk at home that are goals that I started writing in my twenties. And I you know, write it down and put it in the notebook or put it in the bottom of the desk and, and don't really ever revisit them. But at the same time, they're still there. Right? They're still in your head. Right. And, and so that kind of gives you this kind of uh, a little bit of a vision that you're constantly working for. You know, if you're, when you're going to school or you're working a, a, a job, um, um, you know, it can be years and years and years before you, you know, feel like you're making progress towards your, towards your goal. But if you can always kind of keep that in sight, um, um, I think that, that that helps you to kind of get past some of the uh, the struggles and the long timeline that it takes sometimes to, to, to meet some of your bigger goals. Um, the other thing I, I, I would I suggest to people is that it's important to lean into the things that you're uncomfortable with, right? That growth comes from being uncomfortable. And, and so I think, you know, what I learned in this campaign was that you know the things that are scaring the hell out of you are probably the, the places where you're going to be you have the most potential for growth as well and and um you know what i found was those same things um are not as scary as you made them out to be and so lean into the things that you're nervous about that you're scared about and and uh, just get through them do it once or twice and you'll realize that it's not as bad as you made it out to be um, and you'll you'll come through the other side, and you'll be, you know, you'll be looking forward to doing those things that you were scared to death of even just a few days or weeks ago. Um, and I think those are those are for me the kind of two key pieces of advice. You know, um, there's no growth without being uncomfortable, right? And you know, it's what is it? Uh, um, you know, you even have to kind of agitate oysters in order for them to create pearls. And, and um, I think that, that that kind of works the same way in your, your personal life as well. You, you've got you to um, do the things that you don't want to do. Um, if you know that that's what you need to do, just bear down and do it. And, and um, it won't be as bad as you, you think it will. I definitely appreciate that thought. Um, that's actually why I started getting into podcasting mm-hmm. was uh, previously I had kind of a hard time getting to know people and you sure. know, meeting new people in right. general. Right. Um, so I found that, you know, when you sit down with a couple of microphones, it's, you know, there's no distractions. You're not looking at your phone. Right. You can't just walk off. And uh, now I'm sitting here with the mayor. Right. Know? Well, so. and you're, but you're having a conversation in a different context, right? And, and sure. so uh, uh, you're, you're, uh, it's not as uncomfortable, but it, it exercises the skills that you need in order to do that when the microphones aren't there. Right? Exactly. And, yeah. and um, that, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's sometimes, you know, you find the ways to get around yourself and the, the things that you're anxious or nervous about. And, and sometimes you have to trick yourself into doing the things that, that you don't want to do. Um, I don't know what, where, where the saying comes from, but it's the idea that, you know, the, the kids who throw their hats over the fence. And so now you got to climb the fence because your hat's on the other side. And so, um, you know, that was kind of, kind of to bring it back around when I decided it was that I, when I decided I was going to run for mayor, I kind of just closed my eyes and said, all right, we're just going to do this. Go we're going to see what happens. What do I have to lose? And and I, I often talked about, you know, this like throwing your hat over the fence. It's like, okay, well, now I've done this. So um, um, we'll see what comes of it. Um, I, there's a lot to that. And, and I, I think that, it, you know, it, 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 
it takes a lot of fortitude to take that risk, um, but more often than not, the risk is not nearly as much as you thought it was. Yeah, you made it out to be much more. Oh, uh, so what are some duties or responsibilities a mayor might face that uh, wouldn't be expected or be anticipated by an average citizen or maybe even the common public? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. Um, well, I think some of the duties that people wouldn't expect are that, you know, as the, the chief executive officer of the city, um, you, you know, you are, you are responsible for, um, you know, all the things that are happening at the city, but you're also responsible for running the organization to a degree. So here in Ferndale, we do have a, a city administrator, Yori Burnett, who really does run the day-to-day operations of the business of, of running the city, but um, quite often, uh, you know, he's he's asking me to weigh in on on the decisions that are kind of day to day. You know, how do we do? How do we deal with this employee issue? How do we, um, you know, how do we uh, establish uh, uh, pay for you know this new position? Um, things that I didn't really think that the mayor would do. I always kind of saw the mayor's role as more ceremonial, you know, showing up and shaking hands and, and introducing the, the, you know, the, the, the movie or showing up at a parks event or something like that. And those are certainly parts of it. But um, that it's a, it's, a, you know, it's a real management job as well. So you have an organization that you are, are responsible for running. Um, and I think that's one of the things that surprised me. Uh, another thing that I'm still working through that surprised me is um, how much access the average citizen has to the mayor. They can pick up the phone, they can call my desk directly, which is a good thing and a bad thing. <laughs> um, because I don't want I don't want the mayor's job to be the head of the complaint department. I think that there are, you know, certainly times where that's really important, but at the same time, I think that there are times where the complaints that come to the mayor's desk are pretty trivial, and um, I, not things that I think the mayor should have <laughs> to handle. Um, yet, right now, the, I am still taking those phone calls, and I'm trying to sort through, you know, where do I draw that line? Uh, because I don't want to be inaccessible. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm not. I don't have the patience to to get yelled at over the phone, you know, three four times a day over what are really kind of trivial things. Um, those are some of the things. I, you know, uh, the other big thing I think for me is is running meetings, right? Uh, um, so while you're also the the kind of the chief executive officer of the city, you also are the um, you also run the, the council's meetings. And so um, um, you're the chair of all of the organized meetings that take place in the city. And so um, that's a skill that um, not many people get a chance to exercise outside of their normal daily life. And, and so learning you know, uh, parliamentary procedure and the ins and outs of that are, are um, it's an area that I'm still working on. Still got a lot of, lot of work to do on, on that part of it. And the other thing that I think, I guess I knew about, but I, I really didn't fully understand 
um, is that as the mayor of the city, you are also kind of the, the chief politician. And so um, you are called upon to meet with your local uh, and uh, state representatives and, and uh, representatives to, uh, to Congress. And so, um, you know, sitting down and meeting with Sharon Shoemake or, uh, um, you know, or with a representative uh, Del Bene um, are things that, I, you know, those are things I'd never thought I was going to be doing, um, but, but yet have found myself having coffee with, with local political leaders um, and, and uh, um, you know, representing my community to those lar- larger political organizations and, and advocating for the needs of our city um, at the state and federal government, even at the county level. And, and so um, intellectually, I knew that, but never saw myself sitting down in the county executive's office or in, in uh, the state representative's office and, and um, you know, advocating, asking for money from my representatives. Yet here I am, you know, seven weeks in and I've met with almost all of them. So it's, it's kind of difficult for me to grasp how yeah. wide ranging that is. I mean, you know, you go from uh, city to county to state to, yeah. you know, well, way up the chain. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's part of the learning process is learning how all the different layers of government kind of work together um, and in some cases work against each other uh, um, to kind of... Uh, uh, to meet the needs of, of our community. And so, you know, we need to build, um, we need to build roads. Um, you know, we're going to work with, we're going to work with the county, we're going to work with the state, and at times we might even have to work with the federal highways um, in order to, to either find the funding for that or to get permission to build with, with permits. And, 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 and so, um, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of layers of government that you have to wade through and, and that's part of my job. And it wasn't, I, I kind of knew that, but kind of didn't fully understand until I, I was sitting, sitting behind that desk. That's actually happening. It's actually <laughs> happening. Yeah. <laughs> as surreal as that is some days, um, yeah, it's actually happening. I, I, uh, um, I have a meeting set up with uh, Congresswoman Del Bene um, uh, coming up, and, and um, you know I was I've been a political geek my entire life. So my mom registered me to vote on my 18th birthday, and and so this has always been you know politics has always been something that I've always been interested in, but I never ever envisioned myself sitting down and meeting with like you know our our congressman, um, and and so um, it's a little surreal to me at times. So uh, if somebody wanted to get into local or even national politics uh, to advocate for a change in their field, uh, what do you think a good place to start would be? Well, I think that there's there's a whole bunch of different places where you can step into this world. Um, and, and so I think... Um, you know, the first thing to do is to, to start where you're comfortable. And so whether that is, you know, going to a protest march or, or you know, to the steps of City Hall um, um, and joining with, you know, people who, who um, are, are thinking the same way that you are and, and start with that first step of putting yourself out there, right? Um, and, and saying, this is what I stand for. Because a lot of times people can talk about, you know, their, their political um, positions and their political beliefs you know, amongst friends, but it's a whole nother thing to stand out on the street corner with the sign and, and, and say, this is what I think uh, uh, to a bunch of strangers, many of whom probably disagree with you. 
um, I think that's a that's one where one place to start. That that's, that works great for younger people um, and older people as well. But you know, so somebody like my son, you start by going to a couple of protests. You march. You uh, you might go down to Olympia and you know and uh, protest on the on the the, the steps of, of of the Capitol building. But. There are, are a lot of other ways that you can uh, get involved in your local government as well. And so, um, uh, you know, really common way for individuals to, to kind of get their feet wet it would be to join one of the city boards or commissions. And so um, whether it's the Arts Commission or the Parks Board um, or something more formal like uh, the Planning Commission, which is a formal, you know, it's a formal commission part of the city government that is required by state law. Um, and so there are some you know, very strict formalities around that, but it also prepares you for um, the, uh, uh, the rigors of you know, public service at, at like a city council level. Uh, prepares you to understand kind of the parliamentary procedure, um, um, but also prepares you for the interacting with the public um, and, 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 and what it takes to actually make a controversial decision. And, and so I think that there's, you know, you, those are the really good entry points, um, but also come into meetings. So go to a school board meeting, go to a city council meeting, um, um, see what's, what they're discussing, um, stand up in front of council and, and, and speak your mind. If they, you know, if there's a concern, um, about something in your neighborhood, come to the city council and, and voice that concern because, once again, you're going to be forced to do something you're probably uncomfortable with, which is to stand up at a microphone and talk to your elected leaders. Um, I've seen dozens of people, uh, you know, who are calm and confident, but once they have to stand up in front of the council, they get anxious. And so um, you know, those are good opportunities to try the things that you're uncomfortable with and see how that fits. Um, and those are, you know, those are just a handful of ways you can get involved. But, um, um, you know, I think that there are all sorts of community organizations that need help. Um, and they are great ways to contribute to your community, uh, get to kind of expand your world um, and your, you know, the group of people that you know uh, and, and do good things for your community at the same time. Uh, so when you're talking about uh, protesting and holding physical signs, right yeah. there, that, that reminded me... Um, so running a campaign always seemed like an odd thing to me, especially when people are, you know, overpasses and they're hanging. Yeah. They're holding signs yeah. for, you know, I want this mayor, this person. Yeah. Um, is there a marketing tactic or per or a purpose to the design or theme of the signs that are commonly used? Uh, I, in my case, yes. I don't know that that's the case with everybody. Um, so, I mean, in my case, the, you know, like, for example, my campaign signs were, I did them myself. So I, I, I teach marketing. So, you know, for me, this was an opportunity for me to exercise some of my marketing skills. Um, you know, and, and so anybody who took a close look at my campaign sign realized that, that all of the graphic on that is all local. So it's Mount Baker, it's the granary, it's the, it's the railroad building. And in fact, actually did all of that work myself. So I didn't hire anybody to do any of that marketing work. So in my case, yes, very intentional. Red, white, and blue, right? What's more patriotic? Um, I think that then when you start to think about the activities that you do, whether that's um, 
you know, having 100-yard signs made to put in people's yards or whether that is standing out on the, the river bridge and holding and you know, waving your signs as the traffic goes by. Um, some of those activities are things that I think you think you should do, um, but you don't know why you're doing it or whether or not it's effective at all. And then I think that some of the activities are things that um, are, are you know, that clearly have benefit. And and so there's research out there. There are there are plenty of, of uh, you know campaign advisors that, that um, have read that research and will will help somebody if they want to pay somebody to advise their campaign. Will tell you um, you know where to spend your money, where to spend your time, and you know what what things are most effective. Um, I did most of the research myself, <laughs> and and um, you know I really focused my time on. Um, well, I, I bought 100 campaign signs. That's it. Um, I bought uh, uh, four great big signs. That's it. Um, because most of the research says there's not a ton of... Most of the research is inconclusive as to whether or not yard signs really work at all. Right. Um, and, and so... It's kind of hard to get a statistical analysis on that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, so, so, I mean, I made that, that, that investment in my campaign, but um, I invested most of my time in doorbelling and, and, and uh, knocking on doors and talking to individual voters one-on-one, which is um, incredibly time-consuming. Um, and it is it is uh, intellectually and emotionally exhausting, but I think that that is where you end up getting the most vo- uh, get, getting the most votes. And and most of the research says the same thing. That's where you're making connections because, um, and, it, and I think even you have mentioned. You know, I think one of the questions you have coming up that, you know, asks, well, how do, why do you make yourself so available? Right. And that's part of it, right? Because um, in politics, you vote for people that you like and that you feel like you have a personal connection with. And you're not going to get that by putting a yard sign out. Um, you make those personal connections by standing on somebody's doorstep and answering their questions and, and sometimes even pushing back and saying, I think you're wrong, but we can agree to disagree. Um, but I firmly believe that I won a number of votes by saying exactly that. Boy, I'll tell you, I disagree with you, but um, um, we can absolutely talk about it, but we may have to decide that we have to agree to disagree here. And people respect that. And I think that, um, you know, while it's time consuming, and, and, you know, and, uh, um, it is the most effective way to, to gain votes. Um, it's also the scariest way because you're knocking on doors and you know that, you know, one out of ten are going to be angry with you about something, and they're just they're just going to let you have it for five minutes on their doorstep, and that's part of it too. So um, well, that flows right into it. Um, yeah. So have you had to deal with any like blowback or opposition based on things you said, or you know maybe even changed your mind after you know having a, a debate like that? Um, we don't need to get in specifics, but. Um, which, what advice would you give to somebody trying to make things right after they've you know, oh, changed wow. their mind? Um, well, so a, a couple of things. So, I mean, first I would say, yes, there's definitely been blowback on some of the decisions that I've had to make. And I know, um, and, and, you know, and even working with this current council as we're, as we're kind, of, kind of learning the way for all of us, um, you know, I keep reminding them that, that 
you are going to have to make some decisions that are gut-wrenching because um, you know that it's the right thing to do, but that politically um, you're going to you're going to pay a price for it. Um, that's why you're elected, right? That's that's the whole point of, of, of representative democracy is, is is that you you elect people to make those to do the research and then make those tough decisions on their behalf. They're not always going to agree. It's just like your kids, right? Like, no, I'm not going to give you an extra allowance today because you didn't do what I asked you to do, right? Um, your kids are going to get mad. They're going to yell, um, but you're doing the right thing. And in some cases, that's, you know, that's what we're having to do as, as elected representatives as well. Um, so, yeah, there's always going to be blowback because we are, you know, we, you know, we tax people and we restrict their ability to do the things that they want to do, right? Uh, whether it's putting up signs or whether it's building an addition to their house or, or whatever that might be, we often have to say no. And that really frustrates people. Um, so I think, you know, the, the advice that I often have for people is to do your homework so that you can make sure that the decision that you're making is something that you can back up. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, I think everybody's um, decision-making process is a little bit different. But I know for me, I need time. So I need to, I need to do my research. And then I need, I need a day, maybe even a week, to really sit with that dilemma and, and consider all angles of it before I, I finally arrive at a decision, um, you know, which way I'm going to vote or which, you know, where, what is the pathway forward on this particular issue? And, and, um, and so, you know, I think that it's, it's learn your process. What do you need to do to make a decision that you can live with? Um, and then, um, um, and then at some point you just gotta, you gotta bear down and make the decision and then just be vocal about it. So say, this is how I believe, this is what I believe, here are the reasons why. I know we're gonna disagree, um, um, and, and I'm open to having that discussion. Um, at the same time, it's important that you do take the time to weigh all the different um, um, perspectives on an issue. And so trying to remain as open-minded as possible throughout the entire process so that you, um, you can incorporate um, uh, other people's um, concerns into the, into the decision process. And, and so, um, um, you know, I, I often kind of, it, it seems ironic to me when, you know, in today's kind of political environment where um, uh, certain politicians are, are labeled as wafflers because, you know, they, they, they change their mind on a topic. It's like, isn't, I, I think that's, it's crazy because um, I should be open-minded and I should be allowed to change my mind when confronted with evidence that, that makes me see things differently. Right. And, and um, so I really try hard to remain fairly open-minded um, um, and, and be very upfront about when I have found that my original opinion no longer stands and that I can't back that up anymore and that I've had to change my mind. I think that's fine. And in fact, I think that's actually, um, well, it's kind of human. I mean. Well, not only human, but I think that that's even, that's even a, a, a braver thing to do in some cases to say, you know what, you know, I said this before, but I think I was wrong. And this is the way I feel now. I think that, that actually takes more than it does just hold fast to your, your, your opinion, even if it turns out that you were wrong. 
but that's me. Um, um, yeah, I don't know that I would necessarily make a great politician on the national level because I, I do try to stay open-minded and I do my, my ideas evolve. Um, and I think that's, that's the way it should be. Um, um, but I don't know that that necessarily works all the time, especially in politics. Well, I guess that's the difference between uh, doing this at a national level. I mean, it, it's astonishing to me how you make yourself readily available for communication. You know, yeah. just, just by going to hangouts, even, you know, down at the brewery or to public events. Yep. Um, do you think you might hit a peak where it'd be difficult or maybe even impossible to maintain that uh, seemingly open-door policy? You know, I hope not. I really hope not. Um, uh, because I don't, you know, I don't want to have to be a different person to be mayor of Ferndale. Um, I want to be able to, to be myself and, and, and do the things that I would do on any given day. And, and um, you know, so that means coming down to Fringe and having a beer after a long day at City Hall. Um, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to do that through my entire uh, you know, term as mayor. And, and um, so I, I really I hope not. Uh, so far, so good. I mean, uh, um, you know, most people are incredibly respectful of the fact that, um, you know, I'm here to, to, to have um, some downtime, some social time. And, and so most people, you know, even when they do, you know, bring up a concern with me, um, um, you know, they'll limit it to, to four or five minutes and then they'll be like, okay, that's enough of that. Let's talk about something else. Um, and I, and I, I, you know, I, um, uh, um, I love that because I, I, I do go into public areas knowing that, that um, I can't escape the fact that I'm mayor. And I know that I'm always going to have people that want to um, um, talk to me about something. And, and, um, and so it's, I, I'm not avoiding that at all. Um, and, and I think what I've been really encouraged by is the fact that people do show some restraint there as well and, and realize that I'm just a human being trying to do the best I can. Um, and that um, if I'm down here and I've had a, a beer, um, um, maybe, you know, we can talk a little bit of politics and then let's talk about music or let's talk about, you know, the parks or let's talk about, uh, you know, something, something else that's not related to the pothole in front of your yard. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm okay talking about that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, well, I, I yeah. love, I love that though. I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm one of those uh, kind of introvert extroverts, right? Um, um, where um, I can, I can be an extrovert but I have to work at it. And, and so when I come down here or go to a restaurant or I'm at the grocery store, I could be an extrovert, um, but then I have to balance that out with some downtime and some uh, you know, quiet and alone time where I can be kind of alone with my thoughts. Um, but, but I love talking to people. I mean, it, you know, so I don't have a problem when people grab me here at Fringe or over at Leader Block or, or wherever I'm at and say, hey, by the way, you know, this and this and this happened and it'll you know, like your take on that. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. It reminds me of a time where uh, me and my buddy were here, and yeah. I guess you were talking to him for a little bit, and he said, hey, what was that guy's name? And, well, that's Greg. That's the mayor. Yeah. He's, what? That's the mayor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wish I could have shook his hand. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and I think that... I think that Ferndale's way too small still to, to, to for people to feel like they can't have a conversation with, with the mayor. Um, even about just random stuff that has nothing to do with city politics. That's the, that's the kind of mayor I want to be. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 
Well, I appreciate that a lot. I yeah, mean, of just having you sit down and do this podcast is, is phenomenal. Maybe. Yeah, and, I, and, and, and it's, it's my pleasure to do it. I, I, I love doing this kind of stuff. And, and these are these are the kind of unique experiences that I would have never had if I hadn't, um, if I hadn't decided to run for mayor. And, and so, um, you know, I think more than anything, you know, the things that I'm looking forward to over the next four years are all of these experiences that I, I get to have that, um, um, that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't, you know, decided to throw my hat over the fence and go for it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it'd be kind of a disservice not to mention that uh, you guys have some plans for expanding the town and trying to grow a little bit with the uh, new local businesses. Yeah. Um, so what are your goals to improve the city's appeal and uh, how's that line up with current construction going on? Oh, well, okay. So that's a great big loaded question. Yeah, sorry. Um, uh, no, that's <laughs> we okay. Can break it, it down. It's, 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 step by step. <laughs> it's certainly not the first time I've been asked that. So uh, we'll start with with uh, some of the plans to deal with the growth that we're seeing right now. Um, and, and so uh, until recently, we've been the fastest growing city outside of King County. We are growing oh, really? uh, quite rapidly. Um, a lot of our growth has to do with things that are happening in Bellingham um, and in surrounding communities. Um, um, and so, uh, you know, anybody who spent time in Ferndale understands some of the growing pains that we've been going through, um, you know, specifically, you know, traffic. I think traffic is something that everybody in Ferndale can relate to. And um, uh, so, well, in addition to that, um, as we continue to grow, we've reached kind of the capacity of our ability to provide, or reaching the capacity of the city to be able to provide water for all the new homes that are coming in. Um, and to do with the water that leaves the home as well, the wastewater. So um, um, right now, um, here in 2020, we're gonna uh, begin three pretty substantial projects. Uh, that represents uh, um, uh, close to $50 million worth of, of, of um, investment in the community. Um, we're spending uh, roughly $15 million to build the Thornton Street overpass that will take, um, uh, uh, will connect from the roundabout by Edeline Dairy and it'll uh, run up along the freeway and then uh, take a left-hand turn and connect Thornton Street up to the northwest quad quadrant of the city. Um, that project is really designed to take some of the pressure off of downtown, for, especially for the area of the city that is growing the most rapidly. So you know, the hope is, is that it, even if we take a third of that traffic out of downtown, that's going to make a huge difference in traffic downtown. That buys us, you know, 20 to 5, maybe more, 25, maybe more years um, to kind of figure out what the next steps are to deal with traffic downtown. Um, that's one. We uh, are about to begin the wastewater treatment plant project. Nothing sexy about that, but you know, when you flush your toilet, you want that water to go away. You don't want it to come back. And, <laughs> and so, uh, believe it or not, that is a $30 million project. Oh, I could believe that. Um, um, it's stunning to me that, that, that um, you know, something like that costs so much. But ultimately, we're required to treat that water to a, a purity level that's actually uh, 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 cleaner than um, the water that we're pulling out of the ground um, and purifying to, for drinking water. So um, um, that's a big project. That allows us to, uh, to continue to grow at the rate that we've been growing as well because we've reached capacity to deal with, the, with sewer um, um, uh, and the growth needed to uh, accommodate sewer. 
And then the other project, uh, the smallest of the three, is we, we have uh, uh, about four and a half million dollars we're investing in, um, in water. And, and so uh, in 2017, the city uh, drilled a, a well. We, were, we wanted to, to figure out how much, uh, we wanted to figure out if there was a water source below the aquifer that, that we draw water from currently. So the current aquifer is just a little over 100 feet below the surface. We drilled, um, we, we contracted to drill 1,000 feet, and at 1,000 feet, we still hadn't hit anything. Mm. Um, they decided to push on a little bit further, and at 1,037 feet, we hit water. Um, um, so for the last few years, we've been testing flow, we've been doing DNA tests on the water, it all, you know, every testing it every which way we possibly can. And it appears that we have tapped into a fairly large aquifer um, that um, nobody really knew for sure was there. Um, we believe that that water source will, will be able to provide us with water for at least another generation, perhaps even more. We really we have no data, so we don't know how big this aquifer is. But we, you know, the, the flow data that we do have says that it's substantial. Um, so we're investing in uh, to, to build the well house, to bring in the pumps, uh, to make the connections to our water treatment plant, uh, to be able to incorporate that water source into the city water supply. Um, and so those three big projects allow us to continue to grow at the rate that we're growing. Um, and, and, and so that's one part. The other part, though, um, is something that, that you know I've tried to wrestle with pretty much my entire political career, but even something that I've thought about as a, as a Ferndale citizen for years, and that is, what do we do about downtown? Um, I think at one point in 2018, I counted 23 uh, businesses along Main Street, 23 buildings that were closed. They just had nothing going on. The, you know, the windows were papered up. And, you know, and, and so that's a difficult problem. There's a, I think there's a number of different factors that, that lead to why businesses can't seem to make it in downtown Ferndale. Um, but one of the things that we did as a council, um, starting the conversation in early, late 2018, early 2019, was something we called the Catalyst Project. And this was the, the brainchild of, of um, our city administrator, Yori Burnett. At the time, he was the community development director. And the idea was that we needed to try to do something to catalyze um, um, investment in the downtown core, to, to make it so that businesses um, uh, felt like downtown Verndale was a place to locate and that they had a, a, a good shot at actually being successful. And so um, that catalyst program, uh, basically, uh, once we turned it into law, uh, was the city would waive all of the city fees for three projects that, that, uh, that represented investment in the downtown core. So on either side of Main Street, so only that block from the bridge uh, to just past uh, 4th Street, so just that narrow part of downtown Ferndale and only the old part of downtown Ferndale. So we would waive, uh, we would waive the city fees for those three projects, um, and those projects um, would be required to build a minimum of 5,000 square feet of commercial space at the, at the street level. It would have to be a minimum of uh, 15 housing units, um, 
and would have to have parking on site. So, um, um, and there's a couple other smaller things that go into that as well. And, and, uh, and so in return for an investment like that, the city would waive the water connection fees, the sewer connection fees, um, uh, traffic impact fees, and um, um, plans examination fees. Just three projects. And um, a little bit controversial, right? We're looking at having to raise water and sewer rates while at the same time we're going to waive water and sewer connection fees. And I get it. This is one of those controversial blowback decisions that, that, right. um, that I was trying to deal with while I'm running for mayor at the same time. Um, you know, the thing that got lost on a lot of people is while we were waiving the connection fee, the one-time one fee that we charge anybody to connect to our water system or connect to our sewer system, you know, we're not waiving all of the water rates, right? And so, you know, you're connected to the water system, but you still have to pay for the water you're using. So, um, um, anyways, um, that program turned out to be uh, uh, successful beyond our, our wildest dreams. And so while we were figuring that we would have some projects that were modest investments, maybe 20 to 50 housing units in a, in a single building, what we got was one project that's nearly 120 housing units. Uh, we have another project that's uh, 45 housing units, and then a third one that it's 25 housing units. So just under 200 housing units in the downtown core. Um, and between those three projects, about 50,000 square feet of brand new commercial space in the downtown core, right along Main Street. And, and so, um, you know, the Catalyst Project it kind of uh, is premised on the idea that that um, you want to start seeing activity happening in downtown. You need to have people living downtown, people that are within uh, walking distance of you know downtown shops and restaurants and, and bars and and, um, and and so by bringing 120 housing units or nearly 200 housing units downtown, that brings, you know, somewhere between, uh, you know, 200 and 500 people living in, in right along Main Street in downtown core, um, which then makes Fringe Brewing a more popular place, which makes uh, Leader Block a more popular place, but as well, you know, uh, provides opportunities for other entrepreneurs to open restaurants and shops and other things in the downtown core um, where they have a fighting chance to be successful because there's enough people living down there. On top of that, the, you know, the reason we call it Catalyst is um, we, the city, makes the investment by kind of foregoing um, our connection fees on those three projects. But it makes it so that other investors will, will look to downtown Ferndale and say, look what's going on. Maybe this is the right place for us to make the investment as well. And they make those investments without having to have the incentives. And so the hope would be that um, some of the larger open space that's here in downtown um, will find investors that, that see this as a, as a worthy investment. Um, and, you know, quite honestly, the hope is also that um, some of the, the more uh, aging buildings in the downtown core uh, that really don't fit the purpose for, you know, for a modern city, um, that um, some investors might uh, see the value in buying those properties, um, this, you know, tearing down the buildings and building new. Um, so, you know, we're hoping the plan works. We have the three big projects. Um, they are underway. They are 
Uh, they're currently meeting with city staff and going through their plans and making, you know, we're making sure that they are meeting all of the, um, the city building requirements. Um, there are no corners to be cut. Um, and in fact, in some cases with these buildings, we actually required them to go beyond what, um, uh, what, would, what we would normally ask somebody uh, to, to build into a building because they're part of this catalyst program. Um, but you know, the hope is that even if only two of these buildings go, um, that's a substantial change to downtown. And it'll start to bring people living downtown that will then support the downtown businesses. A lot of this stuff is still based on the idea that you know uh, younger people aren't buying homes the same way that they used to. Um, they they want to live in civic centers and city centers, and and so we uh, want to try to make sure that we are providing those uh, opportunities for um, younger families to live in the way that they want to, uh, to be able to potentially afford to buy a condominium downtown, start that process of, of um, you know, owning a home. And, um, and so I think there's just, there's a hundred really good things that come out of this Catalyst program and a couple of things that, um, um, you know, frustrate some people. But I think, it, it, you know, as a lifelong resident of Ferndale, I think it's the right thing. And, and I think that this has got a, as good a chance as anything that we've done in the last 30 years to actually turn the corner downtown. And, I, you know, you spend time down here. You've seen that there's a, there's a change in the feeling in what's happening downtown. And I think that, that uh, the Catalyst program, once we start those buildings moving, um, you're going to start to even feel that, that, uh, that change accelerate a little bit. A um, little bit scary for some people, but um, uh, certainly exciting for a lot of people. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, there there is a little bit of change in the air. You can yeah, feel it. <laughs> most definitely. Well, and you know, there's a there's a there, and there's a change in the air on a lot of different levels. Whether it's you know politically with all the changes that have hap- that have happened here in city government, or whether it's kind of changes in the the, the community landscape. That's you know the physical landscape of downtown Ferndale. Um, it's all going to change, um, um, and um, I think that that's a good thing. Right? It's been this way uh, almost as long as I can remember. Um, it's time to shake things up a little bit, and, and um, uh, hopefully uh, something great will come out of it. Uh, just like some of the things we were talking about earlier on, right? Sometimes the change is scary, but it turns out to be not as bad as you thought it was going to be. I'm, I'm convinced that those people who are concerned about the, the changes that are happening in Ferndale will uh, look back and, and think, you know, I was, I was concerned but it was for nothing. Yeah, I think it's going to be a wonderful project. Um, yeah. You know, of course, you're going to have some growing pains, especially, you know, if you have construction going on yep. or whatever. But yep. I, I think you're totally right. People are going to look back at it and they're, they're going to yeah. think it's a good thing. And, well, and, the, and the, the, the three big projects that, are, that, are, that have been approved, um, they're, they're great projects. And so we're not just throwing up buildings to throw up buildings. These are really... Uh, quite uh, you know, nicely designed. They've got a lot of interesting features. They are unique to Ferndale, um, and they are adding you know to the public good as well. So it's very the, strategically placed. Well, I mean, and we didn't really have anything to do with that. All we did was say it has to happen in this area. Oh, okay. um, it was the investors that said, okay, well, we're going to try doing it on this block. And so oh, the, the big one, the Fountain Place project, which is yeah. uh, right there as you come across the bridge. You know, so that's 119 units, if I'm correct. Um, so it's a big, big project. 
but you know, in addition to what they're what they're doing for their project, they're also going to almost double the size of the pavilion that's around the, the 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 fountain there. And so, you know, we get this big new building, but we also get a really nice uh, open public space for everybody in Ferndale to enjoy. And it's along the river, and it's along the fountain, and you know, they're putting in public restrooms. And so, you know, yeah, the city is giving up, you know a couple million dollars in connection fees and examination fees and traffic impact. But we're getting, you know, many times more benefit um, uh, from that project, especially if you start to look at it 10 years down the road and, and what we get for uh, for that. And, and so um, I think it's, you know, it's one of the wisest investments the city could possibly make. Um, but I understand the concerns on the other side as well, and and um, um, you know I understand taxpayers that are frustrated because they see that as a giveaway to, to developers. The way we see it is that property probably wouldn't have been developed without that two million dollars in in waived fees because the cost of, of building on that site is is so extraordinary compared to you know going out um, somewhere out you know on on second past uh, Griffin Town where it's just a flat piece of ground, there's no river, there's no railroad, you know, and they don't have to deal with anything. They can just build on a flat piece of ground. You know, they could have done that for a lot less. They needed that incentive to build in downtown core. Uh, but the whole community gets a lot out of that um, when it's all said and done. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Um, going on lately? I don't think so. I mean, you know, um, um, I know that Riley Sweeney, our communications director, has always wants me to talk about, you know, we've got the Summer of Fun coming up in, in this summer. Once again, the Parks and Rec program um, are going to be doing all sorts of community activities, you know, and, and everything from toddlers to uh, to adults. There's something going on uh, to try to get you down in our parks and to enjoy the events that we do here in the city. Um, you know, I think... Uh, you know what I like to say is come out and be part of Ferndale and and enjoy the community and and hang out with your neighbors and uh, come to the street festival and go to Pioneer Days and come down and say hi to me at, you know at Fringe on a Wednesday night. Um, um, but come support your community. Let's let's uh, let's you know in these divisive times. Let's come together and 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 uh, um, just talk. Be 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 part of you know all of us. Be part of Ferndale. That's all I, that's the only thing I would add. Perfect. Yeah. Well, it's been a real pleasure getting yeah. to know you and talking to you today. Yeah, thanks, um, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. This was, you. this was a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so is there anything you want to plug for city of Ferndale website or? Yeah. I mean, of course you could always go to, to, to yeah. So of, of course, um, um, you know, anytime you have a question about things that are happening in the city of Ferndale, um, you can always go to www.cityofferndale.org. Um, we've got a great website that, um, that has almost all the information you could possibly think of. Um, if you've got concerns with your, with what's happening in your community or with, with, with what's happening in your local government, um, uh, I would invite you to come down and address your city council, even if it's just to sit in the audience and watch us work. Um, we meet uh, the first and third uh, first and third Mondays of the month, um, and I encourage you to get involved in that way. Um, um, and of course, you can always reach me at at, uh, at City Hall. Um, check out the website for my phone number, or it's uh, uh, Greg Hansen with an E at cityofferndale.org, and you're always welcome to to send me 
me an email uh, to voice your concerns or even to just to tell me that I'm doing a great job. I like getting those emails too. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, of course.